Hi, this is Christy Maver. And this is Matt Taylor. And you're listening to the Nementa on Intelligence podcast. Today's episode is designed for people who might be unfamiliar with Nementa and our work. Hopefully, this episode will pique your interest and entice you to follow along with what we're doing. If you want to stay up to date, the best way to do that is to sign up for our Numenta newsletter. You'll find a link to subscribe on our website, numenta.com. We typically send a newsletter every one to two months, basically anytime we have news to share about upcoming events, new papers we've published, and partner updates, just to name a few. Subscribe today to make sure you don't miss any Numenta news. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Christy. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. I was thinking about the last episode, which was episode one. Yes, which you did with Jeff Hawkins, our co-founder. Two parts. We were really bad at numbering episodes, so we had (laughs) episode zero, (laughs) and then episode one, part one, and episode one, part two, and now this is episode two. (laughs) This is episode two slash three. That makes total sense. Anyway, that last episode went really deep. And we just want to let everybody know that it's not always going to be like that. Right. So Matt and I were thinking after listening to the last episode. Let's do an episode that's like the opposite. Like not a huge deep dive, just a shallow skim on the surface of what Numenta is. So maybe if you're new to Numenta or, you know, a beginner in brains or just mildly curious. Yeah, uh, this is a great episode to start on. This is for you. Especially if the last one just went way over your head. Don't give up on the podcast. Right. We're, we're, uh, we're going to mix it up. We're going to mix it up. We're going to have some interesting interviews with, with neuroscientists and interns and, and CEOs and coming up. So Yes. So what we want to do in this episode is we want to break down the top five things you need to know about Numenta. Right. The first one being, what is our mission? Why do we exist? What are we here for? Yes. What are we here for, Matt? Well, I'll tell you what okay. we're here for. <laughs> this, when I first heard about Numenta, it was right after I read the book on intelligence mm. by Jeff, and that really affected the way I thought. And uh, so I looked it up. I looked up what Jeff Hawkins was doing, and I saw that he had founded this company called Dementa, and their mission was to understand intelligence. And I thought that was just an amazing mission for a company in Silicon Valley to have. And that is still our mission, even now, over 10 years later, is to understand how intelligence works in the brain. brain. Yeah. And, you know, we often talk about how we actually have this dual mission of, number one, to understand how the brain works right. and understand intelligence. And that is very much a scientific mission. Definitely. Brain yeah. theory-driven, deep neuroscience details. And that is and number one. by Jeff, you know, yes. because he wants to know. Like, honestly, because, because he's <laughs> because curious. Right. <laughs> Um, I think I think more than Jeff wants to know. Yeah, I mean, it's very, there's a lot of passion behind our mission. Yes. That's another thing I like about uh, Numenta. So, so the first part of the mission is a scientific one. There is a secondary mission, which is to apply those principles of intelligence to software to enable intelligent machines. Right. right? So there's a machine intelligence AI component. There is, which gets us, uh, I think, grouped in with a lot of AI companies. Uh, But I I would never have considered us to be a real AI company. Yeah. I don't like the term AI. I don't like artificial intelligence. I think a better term would be machine intelligence because there's nothing artificial about intelligence. It's either intelligent or it's not. And in order to enable machine intelligence, 
we first have to have an understanding of what intelligence is. That's, and that's what right. leads us to the brain because that's really the best, if not the only example that we have. But we run in a lot of neuroscience circles, so it's sort of obvious that, oh, if you want to understand intelligence, you know, the only thing in the universe we know of that's intelligent is the brain. So let's try and understand that. But I do think there's, there's a lot of uh, computer scientists and, and mathematicians who have been working from the other direction, you know, trying to crack mm -hmm. that problem of intelligence um, in, in lots of different other interesting ways. It's just not, that has never been our mission. It's, it's not to build intelligent machines. It's to understand intelligence. Yes. So, yeah, so that, that's really been our mission from the very beginning. And, and we've been at this for more than 10 years. Right. So, yeah. so let's let's talk a little bit about what we've learned so far uh, along the way uh, yeah. about how the brain how the brain works. I think we've got, had a couple of big achievements, and, and one of them is about sequence memory. And in, in 2013, when we released uh, all of our, our core code as open source, um, that that was the big discovery that we had was about sequence memory, um, and and it's really about how your brain memorizes spatial patterns over time. And it, the time thing is really core in that. It's, uh, it's how cells, how they, how they connect together to, to uh, create these sequences that can be replayed like right. a melody. Like a melody, yes. And that's the example that, that I love, <laughs> that works yeah. best for me. Because when you think about how many, how many melodies you recognize, oh, right? You, hundreds, hundreds at least. Yeah. At least, right? If not, <laughs> if not more. Yeah. And, and when you're listening to a song, um, if you, know, you are constantly predicting what, what the next part is because right. you know the song. You know what the next note will be. And if it's different, you will detect that as something different. You will detect that as an anomaly. Right, right. Um, and, you know, you, you could even invoke sequences in people's brains listening to the podcast right now. So get this. Dun, 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 dun. Everybody who's ever heard that song, that classics, I'm, I'm assuming it's Beethoven. I hope it's Beethoven because I'm going to assume, I'm just going to call it <laughs> Beethoven. <laughs> but I'm not into classical music. We're into neuroscience here, so it doesn't matter if I'm wrong about classical music. Anyway, we'll let you know. everyone knows that song, and, and you're probably hearing it in your head right now. And we've invoked it just by those four notes, just by playing those four notes in that order. In any instrument, in any voice, you can sing those notes and invoke that sequence of how you've experienced that song in your life, in everybody's brain. I think that's pretty interesting. Right. But that idea, you know, that sequence memory that ties those notes together, the way your brain has memorized that over time, that's at the core of that first discovery right. that we're talking about in the Neuron paper. We'll link to it in the show notes if you want to read the, the details. Yeah. So as Matt said, that, that was really one of the first big discoveries. I think the second area of discovery uh, builds on that sequence memory and is about how we learn objects over time through movement. So when you think about listening to a song, you can be sitting absolutely still and taking the song and you're still predicting you know, what, yeah. what note will be next. But most of how we experience the world is as a result of our own movement. Right, right. So that's what our, our second kind of area of discovery starts to address. Yeah, and so I think about... I like to think about this new part of the theory about object representation and about movement in, in sort of three different ways. There's um, learning an object, and, and I, the best metaphor for this is if you pretend to reach into a dark box, you can't see anything in it, but you just put like your finger in and you touch something in the box. I did this experiment with Jeff in the last episode, but at a basic level, if you're feeling something that you've never felt before, 
you've got to touch it all over with your hand. You've got to traverse that object. You've, you've, you've got to move across it to like build out a representation of it in your brain, in your imagination. Mm -hmm. and, and that idea of movement over time is core to how we build up object representations. It's through sequences, it's through sequence memory. And that's why we need the first part of the theory that we just talked about. So it's, so it's crucial to have the first part for this object recognition to build on top of it. Um, so you learn objects through sequences, and also you have to be able to infer objects. If you were to touch something in a box and say you've touched a lot of things in your life, you could imagine what it might be. If it's furry, it could only be a certain amount of things. Right. So that's inference. You know, that's that's like I'm gonna guess uh, what this is based on, based on this, what I, based what on I know, what I know world. so far. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the third part is prediction. Prediction also involves sequence memory because it it gives you the ability to predict an object's state. You know, knowing that it's been you've seen it in this sequence of states over time, you get an indication of how likely a state of that object will be in the future. Um, so I think those three parts are really core to this, uh, um, this idea of, of object representation with sequence memory. <laughs> so that's, that's object recognition in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and if, if you're interested in learning more about these discoveries, we have uh, papers and we'll link to them in the, in the show notes. The papers are pretty detailed, but we have some additional uh, supporting resources as well. Um, so I think a natural next question would be, okay, so that's what you've learned. What about applications? What, yeah. what have you built? <laughs> yeah, through, well, through, talk, putting aside the whole object recognition thing, the, the, the older stuff about sequence memory and, uh, that was in the Neuron paper that's been around since 2013 out in the public um, I, it has some interesting applications for anomaly detection. Um, we really think this whole sequence memory was a breakthrough, and I, I think there's a lot of still untapped potential there. But we, there are some commercial applications being built uh, around streaming anomaly detection. Um, I think there's other opportunities for people to, to work in that area, especially what I'm still excited about is geospatial objects moving through time and space. That's something that current HTM techniques uh, we can take advantage of right now. So you can track things moving through space over time and uh, encode how anomalous that object's behavior is. Uh, if it's like, so uh, if you're talking about logistics or routing for, for planes or trains or automobiles yes. or, or whatever, <laughs> right. um, there's a lot of potential applications there in anomaly detection. Yeah, it's really anything, anything that has... A data streaming from something, right? Yeah. Whether it's a sensor or a GPS signal, you know, or a medical device, or I mean, anything that has a, a sequence of data where you can make predictions, um, mm. you know. Which is a lot of things. Which is a, which is a lot, especially in, especially in the, the, you know, Internet of Things uh, era. Yeah, and a lot more things nowadays have locations that move around, too. Um, so, so we have a number of... Uh, example applications that are available for anyone to, mm. to look at, to play with. You know, to oh, HTM Studio. Talk about HTM Studio. HTM Studio, yes. So <laughs> HTM Studio is um, near and dear to my heart because it doesn't require any technical skills. So it's a tool that we released a couple of years ago that's specifically designed to let you test our technology on your data to see if it finds interesting anomalies. So anytime people come to us and they think they have a, a use case or a potential application and they want to know if they can use HTM, that's the first place we send them because it's, you know, it's 
it's minimal easy. investment. It's yeah. easy. It's yeah. It's easy. It's All you have to, to do is get your data in a CSV format. That's pretty simple, and uh, and it takes care of the rest. Honestly, uh, a lot of people come to the technical forum on you know the hackers forum in our in our community, and uh, ask, does this does this is HTM going to work well in this data on their shower data? And I'll just tell them, go download HTM Studio. It's just a it, it works on on Mac and Windows. Um, so you can install it easily, and then just you know upload a CSV into it. It's got sample applications. It'll run Nupic in the in the background. It runs HTM in the background, and it'll tell you where the anomalies are in that streaming data. So right. if you have any of that data, we're ta- that Christy was just talking about, you know, from devices or, or whatever, um, give it a shot. Because if it's if it has patterns over time, hourly patterns, daily patterns, even weekly, monthly patterns, they'll find it. Right, if you and give that's enough data. that's really what makes this approach to anomaly detection unique is that it's not just about finding a spike or using right. a threshold or you know kind of those more traditional techniques right. it's really able to find the more subtle the nuanced yes. stuff um, yeah so all of our example applications are available um, for you to see the code is available in open source which actually brings us to our next thing you need to know about Numenta yeah and that's that we are very transparent in everything that we do um, we believe in open science, and, and so if you follow Subutai, who's our VP of Research on, on Twitter, for example, you'll know he's always posting about open science issues. We only publish in open journals that are free and open access, um, so we, we really encourage that. Um, I'll, we put as much as we can online. You know, I, I, a lot of times I'll record meetings and, and put them on YouTube. You know, or if yeah. someone on the forum is asking about something, I'll just grab someone and, and we'll answer the question and throw it out there. You yeah, know? the daily research code is yeah. available. I mean, it's it's all out there. Right? Yeah, it's all accessible. There's nothing really hidden. No, um, all of our research papers are online and and free. Like I said, uh, we're trying to get more of the research paper code in a standardized format so that it's really easy to run for people and to replicate all of our experiments. Um, Christy has a great uh, events page on Nementa.com that's got all of our upcoming talks and conferences, including previous talks and conferences. Uh, and she always puts slides and, and videos in there. So there's a lot of media that you can consume at, from our previous events and our events page. That's really nice. We also have an educational YouTube series called HTM School, which Matt hosts. And you want to talk about HTM School? It's a, it's a from the ground up explanation of HTM theory. So we really start from the beginning um, assuming you know nothing about computer science, about neuroscience, and, and really attempt to build up the theory in a way that makes sense from scratch. Uh, and right now it's up to, I don't know, 14 episodes or something from, from binary encodings and semantics all the way up to grid cells and, and columns and layers and all of that stuff. Um, so it's, a, it's unfinished. I, I know there's probably going to be a few more episodes at some point, uh, but it's a great educational resource if you don't feel like reading the papers. You can get a full understanding, I think. Of this the was, concepts. Yeah, really. the concepts. Yeah. Just by watching these videos, you may have to watch them a few times because uh, I packed them full of, of information. Uh, but if you, you can get the concepts of HTML theory right. down just by watching these videos. And each one is about 15 minutes long, right? So it's Give or take the talking, bloopers yes. and outtakes. The outtakes, yeah. favorite. <laughs> um, I'm also putting together more visual documentation, so we're continuing to work on docs. Um, to make the theory even more approachable. So that really brings us to our last point, which is how you can get involved. You know, we'd love for as many people to, to get involved as possible. 
And we also understand that there are different types of people out there, right? Not everyone's sure. a neuroscientist. Not everyone's going to read every peer-reviewed journal paper that we right. release, and we understand that. So if you're looking for more of the you know, 30,000-foot view, maybe you're interested in AI and you're interested in brain-related approaches... Um, we have a few pieces, and we'll put these in the show notes. We'll put links in the show notes. Um, a few pieces that Jeff uh, has written uh, about this topic, um, one called The Secret to Strong AI, um, one called The Thousand Brains Model of Intelligence, and uh, an article he wrote for a special edition of IEEE Spectrum that talks about what intelligent machines need to learn from the neocortex. And all three of these articles really highlight our most recent advances in the research and talk about why we think they're so important for and the implications for machine intelligence. Yeah, they, they try and explain what we're doing and why it's important sort of in different ways to different audiences. So. Right. And then, of course, if you do want to get down into the scientific details, and then hopefully you've already listened to the first couple episodes of this mm -hmm. podcast. Um, but we have all of our papers available uh, on the website as well. And for each of our peer-reviewed paper, we have um, an FAQs section mm -hmm. that talks about kind of the, the highlights and what you need to know about each paper. And if, if passive learning is not enough for you, uh, you should join our online community. We've got a, a really robust forum called HTM Forum. There's not only a hacker community of, of people that are trying to build things with HTMs or build their own HTMs and code, uh, but there's a, there's a thriving theory community as well that are interested in the, uh, the repercussions of HTM theory, extensions to HTM theory, linking it to other parts of neuroscience or psychology. There's lots of people with lots of interesting ideas on our public forum. So join there if you want to learn more and really interact with our community. Yeah, and Matt manages that community. So he sees all the posts that come in and makes sure things get answered. I do. We yes. all have a warm welcome. Yes, it, it, is, a, it is a friendly community. I it's think very that's, nice. Yeah. That's fair to say. And it's also a place that, that almost becomes a bit of a, at times, a technical support forums where yeah. people who have questions about HTM or you know about Numenta can can go to the forum and I, some of the community members can you know them. our our community has gotten mature enough now that I've got a small group of people that I, I depend upon to answer questions when new people come in and they and they know the theory well enough that they can answer the questions and that's really nice to get the community yeah. to that maturity level huh and you can also join without posting, right? Oh, so absolutely. If you just want to read um, the threads. You can lurk. And, yeah. You, you can don't lurk. even have yes. to join. You know, you That's can true. just uh, go through and read all the messages. People are talking about. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's more fun if you if you make an account because then you can like posts and, and interact with people. So. Right. So hopefully we'll see you there. And I hope so. Yes. So that's like a broad summary of Numenta. We hope you enjoyed that, you know, the five things that, that you should know. What were they, Christy? We should review them. Yes. So the first was our mission, our scientific mission to understand yeah. the brain. Um, what have we learned so far and some things about uh, anomaly detection applications. Right. Our commitment to open access and research transparency. Right. And all the ways that you can get more involved in uh, our community or learn more about what we do. Yes. So there you have it. Hopefully you found that helpful and hopefully you feel like you know Nementa a little bit more. It's been a pleasure sharing all this information with you podcast audience. Yes. And, and please uh, please keep listening and subscribe to our podcast, Nementa, on intelligence. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to Nementa on Intelligence. To learn more about Nementa and the progress we're making on understanding how the brain works, go to nementa.com. 